Yes, Lord. Can we just thank you so much, God, for, your, for who you are. Lord God, that you are perfect in all of your ways. And God, we just want to stop this morning and acknowledge your goodness. That Lord, you are God. That you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. And that Lord, in all that you do, you are good. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace and all that you are this morning. I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to surrender to you this morning, Lord, to, to yield, to stop, to give way to you. Lord, help us just to see your goodness and your grace, that you are perfect in all of your ways, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like Shim, Kim, Shim care verse. Kim cares, and he's going to share a verse. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, I just want to, just while we were singing that song, I got um, Ephesians three verse fourteen, and I just, I don't know, if some of you are feeling unloved, uncared for. People don't want to know about you. Just are shoving you off. And um, I had a bit of that last year, and um, yeah, I just want to re, just say from God's word that He loves you. And he cares for you. Amen. And he's there for you. So I just want to read this from verse 14 in Ephesians 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen amen Awesome. Well, good morning again. I just want to say welcome to church, and uh, I just want to start off with an apology straight away. And uh, that's in case of any false information, any, uh, any false advertising, you might say. If you came this morning expecting someone to preach on his favorite topic, I'm sorry, we, we're not doing that this morning. Um, if you came this morning expecting someone to do his sex talk, you're going to have to wait, because uh, obviously I'm not someone. And I'm not talking about sex this morning, unless it comes up. I don't think it will, but uh, <laughs> uh, apologies if that's you. And um, if you're here and, uh, and uh, maybe we don't regularly see you, we won't presume that you've read, heard the podcast and gone, wow, I'm going to make sure I'm there this week. We won't, no, no judgment in Christ. Uh, thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you need to go back and listen to the podcast. It was a great message last week. My prayer this morning, though, is as we continue our series, looking at the life of Paul, this man who was just an ordinary man, but met an incredible, amazing God who has an amazing, incredible love for us. As we, as we look at this man who was transformed by the love and the power of God in his life, I pray that we would be inspired, that what God can do through a man like Paul, he can do through a man or a woman like you and like you and like you. God is able. It's not who Paul was. It's not who 
he tried to be. It's what God does through ordinary people as we surrender to him, that he can do amazing things. That's my prayer this morning, that you would be encouraged, that you would be lifted up, that you would feel inspired by the Holy Spirit as you leave this place today. So can we pray like that right now? I hope you're thinking yes. Good. Feel free to yell at it. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you that we can come together with joy, that you love us, that we know that our sin has been dealt with upon the cross. Lord God, we just want to acknowledge that, Lord, we are sinful people, but Lord, we come together with joy and gladness because we know we have a Saviour. Lord God, we know that it's nothing about us, it was nothing about Paul that made him any more special than anyone else, but Lord, it's by your Spirit working in us and through us that people's lives might be changed. God, I just pray this morning that you would help us to hear what your Spirit is saying to us, Lord. As we sing those songs and we lift our hands and surrender, Lord, I just truly pray that you would help us to surrender all areas of our lives, Lord, that we need to this morning, that you would lead us, that you would have your way in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last time we were looking at the uh, book of Acts in chapter 15, and this morning we're continuing to look at Paul in the book of Acts, chapter 16. That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, we finished off last time talking, uh, someone spoke briefly about Timothy, how Paul and Silas, they go and meet Timothy, and there's this young guy who's full of zeal and the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and they're they about to go off on ministry together, and after this whole message someone did about, we don't have to be circumcised, he says in Acts chapter 16 that Paul goes and tells Timothy, sorry mate, we've got to get you circumcised. Because the reality is sometimes there are things that we don't have to do before God that we choose to do so that other people might hear about the love of God. You know, my favourite thing to wear at home is my, my comfy shorts and a t-shirt. But I don't wear my comfy shorts and a t-shirt to church on Sundays. And you're thinking, what has this got to do with anything, Andrew? But I choose to do things in my life and put on a shirt and try and look a little bit neat, even though I, I, I come to weddings and funerals and things, and people go, wow, you scrub up all right, Andrew. And I'm like, oh, thank you. But I, I, I don't wear a suit because I think that might put other people off because I think, oh, who's this guy who thinks he needs to wear a suit to church every Sunday? But we, we do things and we don't do things, not necessarily always because God doesn't want us to do it or He wants us to do it, but Timothy gets circumcised so that the Jews will listen to him. There are things in your life that sometimes God is calling you to do, even though you know you don't necessarily have to do them, so that people will hear you talk about the love of God. There are things that you might think that, that you have gone beyond and far beyond what was ever expected of you, but God would say, no, take another step beyond what you need to do, just so that they would hear the love of God through you. Um, that's nothing to do with my message this morning, but there's just a little bonus this morning. Um, we don't have to be circumcised. And all the guys said, <laughs> Amen. Woohoo! So we're going to continue reading. Um, actually, before we do, let's just have a think back to, to where we are on earth. I love that video we just watched this morning of, of the land of Jerusalem and, and being in Israel there. But last time we were talking about the terrible place that Paul had to go to. <sighs> to, to have to go to Cyprus. What a killer. Uh, so Paul had to go to Cyprus and we're talking about how hard that must have been. Uh, but he goes on from Cyprus and he goes up to Antioch. In, uh, I should just point out there are two Antiochs. If you're ever reading the Bible and it says Paul leaves Antioch and he goes to Antioch, 
don't think your head's going crazy. There's two Antiochs. It's like, ah, oh, right, I understand now. So he goes up to Antioch and he goes over to Lystra and Derby, and uh, then they, they circle around and go back to the other Antioch over in Syria. And that's where the whole thing comes up about circumcision and they're saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And then from, from Antioch in Syria, they go down to Jerusalem. And that's where the Jerusalem Council is and they discuss, we believe this is what the Holy Spirit, this seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. And they decide, yep, no more circumcision. You don't have to obey all the Jewish laws if you're a Gentile and, and, and just go and preach the gospel. So they leave Jerusalem and they go back up to Antioch and they share the good news and all the guys go... Yeah, woo! No more circumcision. Um, and uh, they stay there for a while and they're teaching and preaching in Antioch and uh, having a good time. And then Paul and Barnabas decide, hey, you know what? We should go back to those places we visited and, and encourage them and make sure they're feeling encouraged and really going well in God. Uh, but they have this disagreement. You see, this guy, John Mark, has gone with them last time and he deserted them. He took off. And there's a very strong disagreement between Barnabas and, and Paul. And they say, you know what? How about you take him and I'll take another guy and we'll go our separate ways. And they do that and Barnabas heads off. And Paul and Silas head off. And this is where we're up to in verse 6. Let's read together. Next, Paul and Silas travelled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. And I'm going to pretend I know how to pronounce these words this morning. Um, and if I get them wrong or if I stumble, you'll forgive me. And now I've made a big deal of it and you're going, so you could have just continued. Anyway, they went there because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at, the, at that time. Then coming to the border of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Interesting passage. It goes on. So instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So they're, they're in Antioch, they start travelling across, they've gone past, they go back through Derby and Lystra and they go through Galatia and Phrygia and they want to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit stops them. They want to go to Bithynia. And again, the Holy Spirit stops them. And then they end up in Troas, and eventually they get, go over to near That other place starting with N. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting passage. We don't know exactly what happened that they concluded that the Holy Spirit was stopping them and not wanting them to go to those places. We don't know exactly the circumstances or the way God spoke to them. Maybe it was a flood. Maybe there was people rioting. Maybe there was just a word of God in their heart that they just really felt God saying, don't go to Asia, don't go to Asia, don't go to Asia. We don't know the circumstances exactly why they, they came to believe that the Holy Spirit was stopping them. But I just imagine, just like with the Jerusalem Council, they, they probably were talking about it, they're praying about it, and they're just saying, it just feels like it's good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we are not to go to Asia or Bithynia at this stage. Now, when is it not a good time to preach the gospel and tell people about the love of God? Okay, that was a really silly question, isn't it? It's like, there's always a good time. It's, it's never not a good time to preach about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit stops them 
from going into Asia and Bithynia. And I should just point out that Asia here is a little bit different to the Asia we think about. The Holy Spirit stops Paul. You know, I've got, to, I've got to say, sometimes we come up with the best plans. We come up with the most amazing plans for the things we can do for God, the things that would just help someone get saved. But then somehow God just decides not to use our plans. Has anyone ever had that? You, you come up with this great plan. You think, I'm going to invite this person to my birthday party and that other person, that they've got all the same interests and they're going to meet and they're going to, they're going to talk about their lives and they're going to share about Jesus and that person's going to get saved right there at my birthday party and then they're going to come to church and they're going to become the best evangelist the world has ever known. And then they get sick and don't come to your party. I don't know, maybe that's a different story to yours, but... Sometimes we come up with the best plans. We think of all these ideas and these schemes and these things that would be just amazing. But for some reason, God doesn't choose our plans. It's really frustrating sometimes. You think, God, it would have been a really good plan. Why did you let him get sick? God, why did you let that thing fail? Why couldn't it have happened, God? Why couldn't we have gone to Asia and preached the gospel? I can't remember what my next slide says. The Holy Spirit prevented us, it says. And sometimes it's really a challenge to trust and obey God's leading. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's saying, no, don't do that, Andrew. The Holy Spirit's saying, no, don't go to that place. Don't do that thing. No, that's not my plan. And it's a challenge for us to trust and obey God's leading. The reality is we can continue to push and push and push and push to do the things that God's calling us not to do sometimes and we get our way and it ends in a bad way. I think of Israel as they went to go into the promised land and God's saying, go, and they say, no. It's like there's giants there, we're like grasshoppers, they're going to slaughter us. And God's saying, well, if you're not going to go, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And they're like, okay, we'll go. And now God says, No. And they say, no, 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 we don't want to go to the wilderness. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go. And God's saying, no, don't go. You've missed your chance. It's too late. And they say, no, 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 we're going anyway. And they go into the land and what happens? They get slaughtered. Because if we don't trust God's timing, God's, God's blessing isn't in it. Sometimes it's a challenge to trust God's leading and his, and his prompting and to be obedient to God's call. I was reading this week in Jeremiah 34 in the CFC Bible reading plan. If you don't have a plan to read through the Bible, if we don't have any kind of, if you just think, uh, what will I read today and flick it open, you're not sure where to go, I encourage you, grab a copy of the Bible reading plan at the back there. But in Jeremiah 34, this last week, it's talking about how God's plan was that if people ended up in slavery every seven years, they were to be released. They were to be set free and it was a clean slate, new start, seven years, do it. But the people of Israel hadn't been obeying God's command. And God speak to them, speaks to them and says, you've got to let your slaves go. It's been way too long, you've got to let them go. And they're sort of like, oh, yeah, okay. And they let their slaves go. And I just imagine over the next few days, the next few weeks, in the morning, they, they wake up and they're thinking, where's that guy that makes my coffee? Where's that guy that makes my toast? Where's that guy that's supposed to be looking after my sheep? All their slaves have gone and thinking, this is terrible. We want our slaves back. And they, they go and they get their slaves and bring them back and make them slaves again. And God comes to them in judgment and says, you've done the wrong thing. And it's, it's, there is judgment that comes upon his people because they disobey God's command. Sometimes it's a challenge to obey God's leading. 
I'm sure you would love, I mean, no, I'm sure none of you want slaves. I'm sure you'd love to have someone that makes you coffee and toast in the morning maybe, but that's the selfish inner heart of each one of us, I guess, maybe. Sometimes it's hard to obey God's call. The things that we want, the things that we would like, the things that would be pleasing to us, that if we could do them or if we could have them, God, if I could have this, if I could, if I could have this or do this, sometimes it's a challenge to trust and obey God's leading. As we said last week, we talked about circumcision. I can just imagine when Abraham uh, hears from God that I'm giving you a sign so that we'll, we'll all know who's a part of this family that belongs to me. And Abraham going back to the guys and saying, Hey guys, guess what? We've got this awesome new thing. It's going to be a sign for all our people. We all get to do it, guys. And we're going to have this special sign from God so we know that we're his people. It's called circumcision. And they're all going, Yeah, cool. What is it? And they go, no thanks. <laughs> Sometimes it's a challenge to trust and obey God's leading. I was talking to someone else this week about Numbers 21 when, when God says to Moses when the people are being bitten by snakes in, in judgment again and they're being bitten by these snakes and God says to Moses, build a replica of this snake out of bronze, put it on a pole, lift it up and anyone who looks to that snake will be healed. Now to be honest that sounds crazy. If, if I get bitten by a snake and you start making a replica snake to hold up in the air, I'm going to look at you and go, would you just come and like bandage this up for me? Like, can you help me? It's not a natural thing to want to do. There is no natural reason to think this is going to help anybody. But those who obeyed God in that situation looked at the snake and were healed. It doesn't make natural sense to us. And sometimes God's leading doesn't make natural sense to us. Sometimes it's a real challenge to obey and trust God's leading. And I don't say that with any lightness, because I know some of you maybe are facing something, thinking, I just need this God. And God's leading for you is to say, no, I'm going to lead you through this right now. Sometimes it's a challenge to trust God's leading. Anyway, Paul has this dream about this man from Macedonia calling them, pleading with them to come to Macedonia. And so they go to Macedonia. And again, it's, it's kind of like, I had this dream, it's like, it's about this guy in Macedonia, and I just imagine them talking about it and they're saying, maybe that's God. It's like, we're not quite sure what to do here because we couldn't go to Asia, we can't go to Bithynia. Where are we going to go? Let's go to Macedonia. It must be God leading us there. I don't know if it was a, a definite sort of a sense of, yep, this is it, let's go. Anyway, they go to Macedonia. Whoa, and we finished. <laughs> um, can we get that one off? Thanks, Charlie, and go back to where we were. Um, they go to Macedonia. Um, that threw me. <laughs> and let's read in verse 13 what happens in Macedonia. On the Sabbath day, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. Now, in saying she worshipped God, uh, she wasn't a believer in Christ. She may have believed and, and agreed with some of the Jewish teachings. She wasn't a Jewish woman, but she worshipped God. And we continue. As she, as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptised and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. You know, 
they've, they've gone to Macedonia. They're in, the, 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 in Philippi and Macedonia. I just imagine Paul and, and Silas, they're in Macedonia and they're looking around going, where's this guy? Hey, 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 hey Paul. I imagine Silas sort of saying, hey, Paul, is that the guy? Is that the guy? Is that the guy in your dream? He's like, no, no, that's not him. And, they, and they're wandering around. They go to Philippi and they're, they're, they're looking around thinking, Lord, where's this, where's this man that you're leading us to? And, and they're in Philippi and the Philippi is um, a Gentile place and there's no synagogue because there's less than 10 married Jewish men there and there's no synagogue. So the place to go and pray was by the river. And so they go down to the river thinking, oh, maybe, maybe he's going to be there. There's no sort of definite plan of what they're doing. They're just trusting God as they go. And they go down there and they're, they're looking for this man and he's not there, but they meet these ladies and they stop and they share the love of God with these ladies down by the river. I want to ask you this morning, who are we willing to stop for? Sorry. Who are you willing to stop for? Maybe you've got this dream, you've got this idea of what God's calling you to. You're looking for that man from Macedonia, looking everywhere. You're searching for this man from Macedonia. You've got this plan. You, th- you know God's called you to this thing. You're, you're believing this is the plan, this is the task, and you're on it. But who will you stop for on the way? Maybe the man from Macedonia is where God's called Paul to, but he stops and he shares the love of God with these ladies. Maybe you've got this dream in your heart, this burning desire, and and you totally believe where God's called you to in this time in your life, but are you willing to stop for that person you meet along the way? These ladies weren't the leaders of the city. These ladies weren't the leader of the the Jewish people there. They, They weren't probably anyone special But God cares for every life. Every life that has ever been lived, God cares about. He knows them and He loves them. He wants them to know His love and He wants us to see those people with His love and His eyes as we see them day by day. Who are you willing to stop for? I want to suggest, uh, share this thought with you too. The love of God in one person can change the world for many. The love of God in you can change the lives of many around you. The love of God in you as you live out God's love can change the world for one person. If one person understands the love of God in you, it can change their lives. And just as Paul and Silas, they stop and they, they, they share with these ladies and, and they, Lydia gets saved and her whole household gets saved and we, we see later on in the book of Acts them going back and catching up with Lydia and encouraging her again. It doesn't say in the scripture, but we know from history that from Lydia, quite, quite likely, she was the one that did go into Asia, took, taking the gospel with her, and from this lady, the gospel spread through all of Asia because these two guys stopped and shared the love of God with this lady. The love of God in one person can change the world for many. You know, James chapter 2 says, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favour some people over others? God help us to never be so set on sharing the love of God with some people or maybe our friends or people like us that we walk past those who maybe we don't feel like God's called us to and that we don't stop and share the love of God when he, need, he leads us to. 
And he continues, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewellery, another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. I remember preaching on this passage a few years ago, and you might remember I had mud all over my face when I preached. It was really uncomfortable. And you're all looking at me at the start of the service thinking, what is Andrew doing? If you give special attention and good, a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else just sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm so glad that someone stopped to share the love of God with me. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. And he goes on in verse 12. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. God has not called us to show favoritism. He wants us to show the love of God to anyone he leads us to, anyone we have opportunity to. Have a listen to what Jesus said when James and John come to him and saying, so like Jesus in, the, in your kingdom, can we have the seats on the left and the right? And like, can we be like the greatest guys in your kingdom, God and Jesus? And then in verse 24, it says, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority with those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, Paul's cry was, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's saying, come follow what I'm doing as I seek to follow Christ. I was a I was the worst of sinners, Paul says, but I have discovered God's love and I'm going after him. And he says, imitate me, come follow me as I follow Christ, learn to be like Christ. You know, a few couple of weeks ago we talked about Jesus, how when he's going along the road he stops for blind Bartimaeus, the guy that everyone's telling to be quiet. Jesus stopped and shared the love of God with him. Paul stops and shares the love of God with these ladies. Are we prepared to stop? Are we prepared to stop for those around us that maybe everyone else is walking past? Are we prepared to stop our plans, to put our plans on hold and, and, and let God use us in some other way than, than what we'd expected? Maybe it's some way God wants to use you outside of the way you feel comfortable. Are we prepared to stop our plans for someone that God loves? Are we prepared to stop and surrender? As Matt said a little earlier, that sometimes when we come to Christ, it's exciting, it's fantastic, but then as we begin to follow Jesus, as we discover that Jesus is our Saviour and His plans for us are good, He calls us to give up some things. Are we truly ready to surrender? 
Are we ready to give up that thing that we, we, we know that God's saying no, but we really want to keep going? Are we willing to surrender our to-do list? Are we willing to surrender those desires that we have that we could follow and obey God's desires for us? You know, all of us, in the, in the role that God has called us to, there are challenges within that. Um, yesterday was a, a, a big day for me. It was uh, from 10 a.m. getting ready for the wedding till 10 p.m. getting ready for this morning. There's a, there's a weight to the things God calls us to sometimes. But it is a privilege to be able to do whatever we do for God. And if you know what you are doing is for God, you can have joy no matter what the weight, no matter what the challenge of that thing is. If you know that God is is leading you, that He's your God, that you've surrendered, you've said, God, lead me, I'm doing this for you. You can have joy in whatever the challenge is in the life that you're living right now. You can have that peace that Matt was sharing about a little earlier. I want to finish this morning by just summarizing briefly the the two stories that happen at the end of Acts chapter 16. And the first one is... um, so Paul and Silas, they're, they're still in Philippi and they're, they're go down, going back down to the, the water to, to share with people over the next few days. And it says day after day there's this demon-possessed slave girl who, who comes tormenting them day by day by day by day by day. And she's yelling things at them day after day after day. And this girl is, is, is demon-possessed and she's telling people's fortune. She's making a lot of money for her, her owner. And... I just wonder, give me a little bit of creative license here to think about what actually might have been happening. I just wonder, day after day as Paul's going down to the river and he's sharing people about the love of God and there's this woman screaming, uh, this girl screaming things at them each day and he's just getting driven crazy by this girl. I just wonder if maybe he's thinking, if I, if I, if I pray for that girl and God sets her free, this whole town's going to turn against me. Because he knows that this girl's making a lot of money for the town and, and she's like the tourism dollar. Like people coming to town to hear their, these words of, of fortune telling from this girl. So day after day he trying to, tries to brush it off and ignore it. But finally he just gets so, so sick of it and he just turns around and says, in Jesus' name, be free. And she gets set free. And then just as Paul maybe was thinking, the whole town turns against him and, and a, a mob comes, arrests him and throws him into prison because he has just killed off their, their industry. And the second story, in the jail. You've got Paul and Silas there in the jail where, the presence, where, where two or three are gathered in his name. The presence of God is there with us. God's with us always. And they're praising God. They're singing praises to God through the night in the jail. Just picture this dark it's night time anyway, but in, the du- in a dungeon, these two guys singing away praises to God. And then an earthquake hits that place. The chains break off their wrists. The doors fly open. It wasn't really a very natural situation. And then I just imagine Silas going to Paul. It's like, check it out. We're free. <laughs> like, woohoo, God is good. Let's go, Paul. And then Paul going, hang on. It's like, let's stay here. And Silas is thinking, What are you talking about? You're crazy. God's just set us free. There's an earthquake. The chains are gone. The doors are open. Let's go, mate. Like, let's go catch up with everyone and tell them what God's done. And Silas is so excited, maybe, 
But then Paul's like, no, 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 I've got an idea. I thought, maybe this is God. Let's, let's just stay here. And Silas is thinking, you're crazy. We're free. We can go. And I just imagine Paul being like, no, 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 let's just stay here. And when the jailer comes back down and he thinks we're all gone, we'll say, no, we're still here. And he's going to be, his mind is just going to be blown. He's not going to know what to do. And he's going to go, why are you still here? And we can say, because God loves you. And so do we. And we can share about Jesus with this guy and maybe he'll get saved. Um, like I said, I'm not sure this is exactly how it happened, but maybe. And then the jailer comes down and he sees the doors all open and he knows the penalty for the, the, the prisoners escaping is death. It's, it's, it is shame. And he thinks, I'm just going to end it right now. And he, he pulls his sword to, to take his own life. And, and Paul says, no, we're still here. And what happens? He comes and he falls down at the knees and says, what must I do to be saved? And they share the gospel with him. He gets saved. His whole household hears the gospel. They get saved. And they all get baptised. And I just imagine Paul's sort of going to Silas. See, mate? It was worth doing. <laughs> I hear these two stories. And, and as I said, I'm, I'm taking a bit of creative licence as to how it might have happened. But in both these situations, I think Paul had an opportunity. Paul had an opportunity to do two things. He could either do something and continue on in freedom himself or he could choose to stay to, to do something or to not do something that he himself is not set free and that someone else might be set free if he hadn't cast that demon out of that girl they could have kept preaching the gospel and gone on their way but he drives it says to that demon be gone in jesus name and he gets locked up that girl is set free her life is changed forever but he goes into the prison. And then in the prison, they could have walked free. They could have been home with their mates, telling them about this awesome earthquake and how God had set them free. But I wonder what would have happened to that jailer. He would have been dead on the floor. Paul and Silas, they, they stop. They preach. They, they pray for people. They stop. They share about the love of God, even when it costs them their own freedom, so that someone else might be set free. I love the verse that someone finished with last week in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If we love God, if we trust in Jesus' death and resurrection for us, let's live that out by expressing that faith in love. Are we willing to stop? Are we willing to stop and first of all surrender to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my selfishness, I'm sorry for my pride, I'm sorry for my own selfish ambition, my own selfish motives that I have walked past person after person after person, and I'm talking to my, myself here too. God, I am sorry for the people I have walked past, that I have missed the opportunity to tell people about the love of God that could set them free. Are we willing to stop and say, God, help me to share with this person. Help me, God, to do this thing that's uncomfortable. Help me, God, to do this thing that I don't feel like I'm gifted to do, but help me to share the love of God with this person. I want to ask you this morning, what's God calling you to do that others might be set free? We've got to surrender ourselves first. We've got to deal with our own heart first. Let's not look at the log in our brother's eye when we need to speck when the we're going to deal with our own heart first but then what is God calling us to do that others might be set free 
I think of that lady, Lydia, that the whole region of Asia was impacted by the gospel because Paul and Silas stopped and shared the gospel with them. I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to finish with a song in a moment. I just want to pray for each one of us this morning. God, we thank you so much that Jesus... You left the comfort of heaven. You came in human form. You, you, you lived a perfect life here on earth, Lord God. You never sinned. Lord, you went through all the, the challenges of growing as a child and, and, and you brought yourself into this world and, and, and came under human authority. And Lord, you lived, you... you you suffered and you, you were mocked. You were whipped and beaten and crucified upon a cross. You stopped. You, you did it all so that we could be set free. There is no forgiveness apart from what you have done and you have made a way for every single one of us to be forgiven and to have eternal life. And God, we want to stop in this moment and just surrender and say thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. God, I just pray today that you would help us as we go from this place to continue to think about your love, about your mercy, about your grace. Lord, we thank you for the dreams and the desires and the things that you've placed upon our heart to do in this life. I thank you, Lord, for the way you've placed each one of us in different places, in different workplaces, in different families, in different situations, that in those situations and in those places we can show and shine the love of God to different people in different places. And God, I just pray right now that you would give us such a sensitivity to your Holy Spirit's leading, that God, we would be willing to sacrifice our comfort, willing to sacrifice our pleasure, willing to give up our lives and take up our cross and follow you. That Lord, as we lay down our life, as we give our life to you, that Lord, you would reach those around us with the gospel, that, Lord, those around us might know the love and the hope that you have for them. God, we just thank you so much that you have chosen to use us. What a privilege, what an honor that you would use humble people like us to help people know your love and that they might have their eternity changed because of the love of God working through us. God, I just pray that you would help us to be people of faith, that express that faith through love. Help us, Lord, to be so quick to surrender. Help us, Lord, as we do surrender, to, to know the joy of the Lord is our strength, that you are our, our God, and that, Lord, no thing that we give up in this life goes unnoticed by you, Lord. Lord, we do it all for your glory. Help us to live for your glory. Well, God, I just pray for anyone here today that they have never understood who you are and what you've done for them. I just pray this morning, Lord, that if there's anyone here that it just knows that they need to surrender to you, that they know that they've done the wrong thing, they've, we've all sinned, and they've never surrendered and said, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. I pray right now, Lord, that you would just help them to surrender. If that's you this morning, you can just say, thank you, Jesus, for your love for me, that you would die on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me, Lord. Help me to live this life for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
And God hears your prayer. God knows our heart. It's not about what you do from this point. It's about continuing to trust in the love of God through Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, I'd love to chat with you afterwards and just be able to encourage you. Or maybe there's someone you came with that you can just say, hey, that was me this morning. I want to know what Jesus wants to do in my life. I want to follow his leading. I want to understand what he's done for me more and more. But you know, all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents and comes home to the Father. Let's be people that get so excited when just one person understands the love of God. We're going to finish this morning with this song. It says, I've seen a glimpse of your heart. We've seen a glimpse of God's heart for us. His love, His mercy, His grace. How can I praise you enough? You are the Lord Almighty. You are the Lord Almighty. And it says, not to us, but to your name. We lift up all praise. And this morning as we sing this song, I just want to encourage you to surrender. Maybe you just want to lift your hands and surrender. And maybe you want to bow down and say, God, I surrender to you this morning. I want to live this life for your glory. Can we stand and let's sing. Thanking Him, worship Him, and surrender to Him this morning as we sing. As we sing. Thanks, team.